Folks, if you don't know me, my name's Tom, um, and I've uh, been in Sheffield now for six years, nearly seven years. Um, moved to Sheffield three times in my life, once when I was 22, then came back when I was 27, then came back, uh, have a worry, I mean, I'm only 30, no, it doesn't make sense, no. So I've been back a little while now, and um, I have three children, our youngest Phoebe is three, and I love three-year-olds because they're at that stage. Where she's at a stage in life where she's quite articulate, but she can't p- quite pronounce all of her words, and it's so cute. Like where she wears it doesn't wear it. She wants to wear a dress. She means dress, and it's so sweet. The problem is she can't quite say tr- a T and an R's together. She struggles with that. So tr sounds like an F. And that's a problem if you see a truck coming. That's a real problem. So we're trying to teach, say, lorry. Because that's, if you're in public, and in my line of work, it's not a good look, folks. It really isn't. And the funny thing about, about our youngest is we have a dog. And I've been told not to mention the dog, but I just did. So there you go. Um, and unfortunately, our youngest has taken to picking up dog poops with her hands. Because she's, she's attracted to the flies. And um, so that's a problem. We're working on it, folks, and that isn't great. And our son, somebody um, in a local park recently, somebody discarded an old keyboard. Well, why you would discard it in a children's playground, I don't know. But he found it, and he insisted. And my wife had a weak moment. She allowed him to bring it home. And we prayed to Jesus that that keyboard would not work. We even told him that we will buy batteries to prove that it doesn't work. But he was convinced it was going to work. And do you know what? We bought the batteries. And do you know what, folks? It works. So we have been blessed this weekend beautifully by lots of music uh, from this. this we just give, receive it with that. The Bible says receive things with thanksgiving. So we're trying to do that, folks, every day. And uh, we'll, pass, we'll just... Pass on the joy to somebody else. So if you want a keyboard, come to see me. I'll give you a good price today. Folks, we are, um, if, you're, if you're, you, you're journeying with us, uh, you're watching online, or you're, you're a friend, you're, you're visiting family, or you're here for Charlie? Charlie? You're with us. That's good. Um, just one thing that you should know about our church is we love the city of Sheffield. That's not to say that we don't like other regions. Everybody's welcome. I'm from the West Midlands. Okay. But we love the city of Sheffield. We think it's a beautiful city. We're a church that is for the city. And the reason that we're for the city is because we think that throughout this Bible, whether you've read it or not, people have a lot of conceptions about the Bible without really ever reading it or engaging with it. We believe that God has a heart for cities because God loves people. And the thing about cities is they're full of people. Have you noticed that? They're just everywhere. You go to a city, it's just full of people. And cities that are exciting because they're often places where culture is made. They're often the places that darker, shadier things can happen as well. But, but there is something beautiful around cities. And there's a particular passage in the Bible that has been inspirational to us. And that is Jeremiah ch- chapter 29. And it refers to a period of history for the Jewish people. We're talking about six, 700 years ago. I tried to work it out in the worship of Sam. Thank you so much. We were worshiping God. And I was trying to do the maths. I think I've got it right, so if you're watching online and you're a theologian and I'm wrong, just email me, alan.ward at stcsheffield.org. I'm grateful for your feedback. But we see there's a particular moment where the people of God 
are taken from their homeland, which is what we would call now modern-day Israel. And at that time, it's not called that, but there are the people are known as Israel. And the central city is a city called Jerusalem. And if you watch the news and you're interested in the Middle East, it's still a really controversial city. This tiny place, it's not a huge city, actually, but it's really controversial. And it was then as it is now. And the people of God are, are taken from that. And a huge invading force, I mean, who would have thought it would happen? In 2022, a huge power, a superpower, led by a man called Nebuchadnezzar, decides to ransack Jerusalem. He decides to take all that is uh, precious to them. He decides to take their middle classes, and he decides to take them back to the capital, Babylon. And so Jeremiah is called a prophet. And he writes to God's people and he says, um, they are desperate to go home. They're desperate for this season of life to change. But Jeremiah says, stay where you are in Babylon. Can you imagine that? It's like if you're from Sheffield and you've got to go to Leeds. Can't wait to get out. Everything about Babylon, they just hate. I mean, it's just a city that doesn't share their values, they can't practice their religion, they can't walk freely, so they just kind of make home on the edge of the city. Thinking, it's, I am here for two years, so it's not even worth unpacking the suitcases, because two years, you can get through two years. And this man called Jeremiah hears from God, and he writes them a letter, which I imagine would have been hugely encouraging, and says, you're going to stay for 70. And he said, you know what? Why, why are you there for 70 years? Love Babylon like you love Jerusalem. Pray for it. What? But I hate it. Pray for it. Seek its prosperity. You're joking. Live for it. Get involved in it. Love it. What inspires us as a church is a man called Augustine of Hippo, who's a theologian. And he wrote a very big book once called The City of God. And you see, the Bible's funny because it starts in a garden, Adam and Eve, and it ends as a picture of a city, because God loves cities. And Augustine makes the point that within every city that we live in, there are two cities. There's the physical city that we live in, but there is a spiritual city, the kingdom of God. Albert talks about it beautifully on the video. We call it heaven. And we believe in, as in heaven there is no sickness. There's no cancer. There's no COVID. We believe that we get new bodies. I'll have a forehead of hair, folks. There's no sin. There's no crime. You know, there's no awkwardness in relationships because it's a place of perfection. And so we love the city because we believe our calling is to live as part of God's city, the future city that is to come, right now in Sheffield. That means we tackle racism. It means we tackle racism. It means we tackle the environment. It means we pick up the litter. It means we tell people that they're loved by God. It means we help with families, not because we think we're perfect, but we think we have a message. It means we're passionate about schools and education 
because we believe that we're called to inhabit our city and to love our city into life. The life of the Spirit and the life of the kingdom. Now, if it sounds like to you that I've been smoking a lot of Cuban cigars, I haven't, folks, but I have got a cold. So I do have my water if I have to stop and take a drink. Um, It isn't gin, just in case you're... I did make that joke earlier at the 9 o'clock gathering, and it went down like it did now, actually. So it's good to know I've still got it. And so what we're looking at today is we are looking at a book in in the Bible. Is this a bit echoey? Is it me, or is is it just me? Do I need to hold it closer? Is that better? So if I drop it like that, so I need to hold it there. Okay, thank you, Molly. That's so helpful. I'll keep it there like that. And what happens to these people like me? The microphone drops and drops and drops, and it makes these guys, their their job really hard. So we're looking at a a man called Nehemiah in the Old Testament. And this is is referring to about a, a period of time, about 600 years or so before Jesus. And the people of God, as I said earlier, have been taken into Babylon, but yet there is a promise in a chapter of the Bible called Jeremiah that God would that God would prosper his people. In fact, um, I, I want to read it out to us now, if, that, if that's okay, because in Jeremiah chapter 29, verse um, 10, it says this, this is, this is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you plans to give you a hope and a future, then you will call on me and come and pray to me. I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will bring you back from captivity. I will gather you from the nations and places where I banished you, declares the Lord, and I will bring you back to the place from which I have carried you into exile. So it's a period of time in the, for the people of God which is incredibly hard. It's where everything seems to have all their dreams are lying in ruin. But yet God has promised that he will deliver his people. He'll bring them back. God has promised his breakthrough. And so a man called Nehemiah is called by God. He, 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 <coughs> excuse me, he works for... Uh, Nebuchadnezzar, and he is—he's his cupbearer. He—he's he's like, he's—he's um, the guy who does it. He's like his executive assistant in many ways. He's the guy who drinks the drink before he drinks the drink. He is the man. He knows everything that there is to know about this man Nebuchadnezzar, who runs this crazy, crazy empire. Not that we can refer to any of that today in modern times. Right in the heart of this crazy organization is a man called Nehemiah who is a Jew. And then one God, day, God calls him and says, you need to go home, you need to go back to Jerusalem. Jerusalem's trashed, it's been destroyed, but he has a dream. And God speaks to him and says, go home, rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. Why, why rebuild walls? Because in the ancient world, a city couldn't be a city without walls. Because with essentially having no walls around the city is like owning a shop and at night leaving the door open and going home. You get trashed. It would just be trashed. So that's what happens consecutive times. Jerusalem was trashed. So it's strategically important for Nehemiah to go. Somebody needs to go rebuild the walls and that was his call, to go back and rebuild the walls. It seems inconceivable that God could do it. 
It just seemed crazy. Just absolutely beyond comprehension. And so he goes back, and, it, and he's made a governor. And he, he has leadership skills, and he gets together the people of God, and they begin to rebuild the wall. And it takes him 52 days. 52 days. <coughs> Only 52 days, folks. Absolutely amazing. Just going to take some water. Chris, could you hold this microphone for me? Thank you. This is my wife, folks, by the way, just in case you want to. Why don't you sing to us, Clarissa, while I'm... No. So after 52 days, they rebuild the wall. It's quite remarkable, folks. There's a man called... Let's just... And if you, if you, if you don't know the story, it's, it's a story of courage. It's a story of great bravery. There's a particular moment, I think, in chapter 4, Nehemiah chapter 4, where there's a man called Tobiah the Ammonite, or Amorite, or Hammerite, that's the thing you paint. Anyway, he's definitely called Tobiah. And as they're rebuilding the wall, you know, there are some people in life who just have the gift of saying the wrong thing at the wrong time. You know those people? You just praise Jesus that you've, you, you, God, why did I see that guy? Anyway, there's a guy called Tobiah, and he's looking at the wall, and he says, even a fox could knock down that wall. No, I saw a fox in our garden the other day. I tell you, those guys can jump. And they're pretty light. So it's just that kind of mocking voice that says, your wall isn't very good. But they battle on. They battle on. They're, they're all kinds of opposition. And they battle on, and then they battle on. And then we get to verse 12, verses 27 through to 43. Now, I should just confess here, um, there's a lot of funny words and names in here. It's from the Old Testament. If you're Jewish and you know a lot about Hebrew, uh, I'm going to pronounce these terribly. This is a bit like when I did my French oral exam for my GCSE. I just spoke English with a French accent, folks. That was, my, that was my strategy. So I feel like the same sense of anxiety that I have back then, but it's okay. I didn't do very well then. So Jesus, help me now. This is called the dedication of the wall. And there's just three things, folks, I want to say today. What, what does this mean? What, what, what is it about the dedication of the wall? I mean, who cares? Why did they do it? Why did they rededicate a wall, and how does it affect our lives? What can we tell? Those are three things I'm thinking about today. So we're going to jump right in. Nehemiah chapter 12, verses 27. At the dedication of the wall of the Jerusalem, the Levites were sought out from where they lived and brought to Jerusalem to celebrate joyfully the dedication with songs of thanksgiving and with music of cymbals, harps, and lyres. The musicians also were brought together from the region around Jerusalem, from the villages the villages of the Netophrates, from Beth Gilgal, and from the area of Geba and Asmahar, and for the music and the musicians had built villages for themselves around Jerusalem. When the priests and Levites had purified themselves ceremonially, they purified the people, the gates, and the wall. I had the leaders of Judah go up on top of the wall. I also assigned two large choirs to give thanks. One was to proceed on top of the wall to the right, towards the Dung Gate. That's a great name, isn't it? Okay. Hoshiah and half the leaders of Judah followed them, along with Azariah, Ezra, and Meshulam, Judah, Benjamin, Shemaiah, and Jeremiah, as well as some priests with trumpets, and also Zechariah, son of Jonathan, the son of Shammah, the son of Mataniah, the son of Micaiah, and the son of Zachar, the son of Asaph, and his associates. Shemaiah, Azar, Milael, Gilead, Mai, 
Nathaniel, Judah, and Hanini, with musical instruments prescribed by David, the man of God. Ezra, the teacher of the law, led the procession. At the fountain gate, they continued directly up to the steps of the city of David on the ascent to the wall and passed above the site of David's palace to the water gate on the east. The second choir proceeded in the opposite direction. I followed them on top of the wall, together with half the people, past the tower of the ovens to the broad wall over the gate of Ephraim, the Jeshana gates, the fish gates, the tower of Hanael, <laughs> and the tower of the hundred as far as the sheep gate. At the gate of the guard they stopped. The two choirs that gave thanks then took their places in the house of God, and so did I. This is, and Nehemiah's talking the first person, this is a description of what's going on, to, together with half the officials as well as the priests, Elohim, Messiah, Miniamin, Micaiah, Elanai, Zechariah, and Hananiah with their trumpets, and also with, <laughs> come on Lord, Messiah, Shemaiah, Eliar, Uzi, Yehonathan, Malachi, Elam, and Azar. The choir sang under the direction of Jezariah. Couldn't be Pete, could it? That'd be so much easier. Or Alan. And on, the, on that day, they offered great sacrifices, rejoicing because God had given them great joy. The women and children also rejoiced. The sound of rejoicing in Jerusalem could be heard far away. Okay, folks, well, we got through it. Thank you for your patience. So what? Thank you. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So what on earth does that mean? Well, essentially is this. And, um, Nehemiah has become a governor. He's now in a political authority over Jerusalem. And he's made a decision to dedicate the walls back to God, to give it to him. What does dedicate mean? It means to recognize that we have something and it means that we want to give it back to God. And so what he does is he, re he recruits what are called priests. They're a tribe. They're a, a, a race of people called, called the Levites. And they essentially live outside in the kind of suburbs outside Jerusalem. And Nehemiah organizes a celebration. And part of that celebration is to walk the wall. Now, if you think you um, what you think, okay, what what might the closest that I've ever seen in this country to Jerusalem? I've been four times. It's a beautiful place. Is if you go to York, you know, like on the outside of York, you've got those um, amazing walls. I mean, it's just beautiful. And the tiny little streets and the very expensive shops, and um, you just think, wow, what a what a nice place to live. But the walls are beautiful. And, and, and this is what they, they, he has. It's about 100,000 people piling to Jerusalem. What does that feel like? It probably feels like match day. Or if you're going to Wembley and you are with great throngs of people, the energy must have been amazing. And so Nehemiah gets them to walk around the edges of the wall and he gets them to dedicate. Not only are they giving thanks for the wall, but they're dedicating the city to God. Every part of the city they dedicate to God. And Jerusalem is a city. So there's, there's great bits. There's a massive temple. And there's bits that are not so nice that you perhaps wouldn't walk at night. Like forward if you live in Sheffield. Like rough places that, you know, you pray, you lay, you park your car, you lay hands on it and pray that the wheels are still on it. Or Cross Paul, for example, if you're trying to, you live in Sheffield, you're trying to locate it. We used to live in Cambridge, that kind of vibe, folks, you know what I'm talking about. 
every part of the city, the good bits in the city, the bits where the people make money out of immoral earnings. Every aspect of the city is now to be given to God. And how do you give it to God? They're walking around and they're singing songs of thanksgiving. Christians sing a lot of songs. Sorry, folks. And they're songs with cymbals and drums. There's no pipe organs, folks. That came in around 1830 in the Church of England, and some say it was brought in as an instrument of social control. But that is a conversation for another time. That's what I was taught. Anyway, so there's, these, there's all these instruments, and there's music, and they're declaring, and they're shouting, and it would have sounded absolutely amazing. For miles and miles and miles, Jerusalem on a hill, you can now hear praises and singing. Because a hundred years ago, or about that time, it was nothing. It was gone. It was devastated. But God said, I will prosper you. And now in that moment, the thing that he said would happen has happened. The worship, singing, Declaring has returned to the city which it was designed to do. It was a process of restoration. It is part of a reformation and a renewal of this beautiful city that was once lost. Why dedicate the wall? It's the point in Scripture, we have no point in Scripture to this point, where anybody dedicates bricks and mortar. It makes no sense. You dedicate animals... For sacrifices, or you dedicate particular items, but why dedicate bricks and mortar? It makes no sense. Not spiritual things. Just bricks and mortar. Why would you do that? It's like dedicating your Volkswagen Turan. Why would you do it? It makes no sense. Unless you know the story. There's a book in the Old Testament called Isaiah. And for the first 20 chapters, Isaiah says. Keep your heart soft. Keep your heart focused on God. Keep praising God. Keep loving God. Because as we keep loving God, we stand in his protection. And the story of Jerusalem was that the people of God had got hard-hearted and got very proud. What does that mean? Essentially, they mean this. They began to walk under their own steam. They didn't need God. Why do you need God? Getting on with life, thank you very much. And what happens was the massive army came and trashed them, and they're like, God, where are you? And God's like, well, you didn't want me. So in rededicating the walls, what they're saying is, God, we cannot live without you. We cannot do this without you. God, you have restored what was taken. The dreams that were shattered have now returned to us. This is all for you. It's like maybe you're a designer and you go into work tomorrow and you lay hands on your iMac and you say, thank you, Jesus, for my computer. Your colleagues are going to think you've lost it. Or maybe you're a builder and you've got a van and you lay hands on your white transit and you go, thank you, Jesus. May I not be transit driving crazy guy. May I drive for you. It's taking your bricks and mortar in your home and you say, God, you have given this to me, so I'm giving it back to you. Dedication means that we've done it for Charlie today. We believe he's given by God. So what we're saying is, God, he is your life. 
So every aspect of our life, we say, God, we believe that you have given this. Christians believe that if it's being given to us, we receive it with thanksgiving. But God, if any provision in our life comes from him, and so our job is to turn it back over to him and say, God, have your way with us. Have your way with the things in my life. All of life, the good stuff and the not good stuff, take it all, Lord. And that's what happens with Nehemiah and the war, they give it over to God. And the way they give it over to God is by praising God. Now, we believe in worship. All of us worship. We believe that we are wired and designed by God to worship something. The question is, what is it you worship? Now, if you don't think you think worship's just something religious people do, go to a football match. Because I'm telling you, seriously, or watch some kind of sport. Or if you're not, go to your kids if they're having a concert at school and you watch the parents and they're like... Wow, every mobile phone is out there watching their child. Wow, this is amazing. We all are designed to give worth, ascribe worth to something. We believe that's the way that we're wired. We believe that our calling is to give it back to God because we are created in his image. And so essentially, there is this moment for Nehemiah where everything that God has given for them, they are to give back to him. And the way that they do that is to say, God, you are amazing. This is from you. We are setting this apart. Make it holy. We're giving it back to you. Because it's in that giving it back to him. It's in that declaration of who he is in bringing our hearts towards him in true surrender that we find his protection. In I, in the, oh, I've read that bit already, so I've read, um, sometimes when you're speaking, you can find yourself reading the same thing you've just done, and that's not always great. You've done that as well. Oh, I've totally missed my slides here, folks. So begin to praise what we dedicate. Praise affirms the declaration. And in 52 days, God has rebuilt the walls in the most remarkable way. That's what's happening here. It's establishing all that God has promised to his people in speaking out praise. Now, we're in a culture that defines, I'll respond by how I feel. But these guys are responding in declaration of who God is and what he's done. And what can happen to us is that we, if we don't dedicate every area of our lives to God, we can have areas in our life that are kind of no-go zones. You know, like my, um, Carissa's family, once, her, her parents once bought a house off her grandparents' And the grandparents kept a set of keys. Not a good idea. They kept a room in the house, which was, which was a no-go zone for everybody else. It's kept all their stuff in it as a storage room. Now, we can do that in our own lives. And this happened to me a couple of weeks ago. I was driving back to, to, the, to, the, back to, to, to see my parents, and my mom had a stroke a few days before. So I, I was in the car, and I'm... And I'm, and I'm driving along the M1 at 70 folks. You see, the price of fuel, I'm not, I'm not putting my, it's what, it costs £1.72 a litre of diesel. I'm sticking to the speed limit, folks. That's Elliot. And to be environmental. So I'm driving along, and I have a, sometimes if I'm by myself, I don't listen to music, and I, I'm just thinking, and 
and we're kind of talking with God, and I'm a bit frustrated with him. You know, I'm like, Lord, I'm, I'm frustrated with you. You know, God, this isn't the stuff happening that I didn't think, I don't think should be happening, and now I'm going to go see my mom, and I'm an only child, so that means I've got to go, and how's this all going to work out? God, what are you doing? Where are you in this, God? I just felt the Spirit of God just as I'm probably near Nottingham at this point. Maybe it's, just, maybe it's Nottingham. Maybe the presence of God is particularly profound on the M1 near Nottingham. But I just sense the Holy Spirit say, you're angry. No, I'm not going to. What do you think? Well, if, if you knew what was going on, you might be angry too, Lord. Well, you do. Actually, you do know what's going on. I've had a few times the Spirit of God say, you're angry. And I've just became overwhelmed by the condition of my heart. I just thought, yeah, I am. I am, Lord. And I felt the Holy Spirit say, begin to worship me. I'm on the way to Derby at this point, folks, on the A38, if you're interested. And I began to sing some old songs, and, and it just lightness of touch came. And just felt that there had been a part of my life which was an undedicated part of life. And what can happen is, as you're walking with the Lord, you can become aware that you're distant from him. And that distance is often because there are areas of our life that we haven't dedicated to him. Because we can't dedicate to him. Because there's stuff there which isn't good, it's not right, it's... And to dedicate something to God means to make it holy. Well, God has an issue with anger, actually. He has an issue with something called sin. And so in that moment, there was a bit of life where I was like, God, you can have everything else, but right now, this particular part of life, you can't have, actually, because I'm working this out on my own, and I don't need you to tell me what to do because I'm sorting this out. It's just like, give it to me. And so just sense of driving along at 70, just a sense of peace, came into the car and the sense of the presence of God and the sense of God wanting to say, give it over to me, dedicate the whole of it. And as I began to pray, God, forgive me, I can see my heart has not been good, began to say, began to praise you, say, God, you are good in the midst of my frustrations, in the midst of the situation with my mom. He said, God, you are good, that God, you have been faithful, you will be faithful to begin to reconnect with God that which has already been dedicated. God, in the sacrifice of praise, it's like, God, you are good. You are faithful, God. You will begin to do it. In Psalm 32, it says this, Blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord does not count against them, and in whose spirit is no Deceit. When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night, your hand was heavy on me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. Then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave the guilt of my sin. Therefore, Let all the faithful pray to you while you may be found. Surely the rising of the waters will not reach them. Verse 7 says this, You are my hiding place. You will protect me from trouble and surround me with songs of deliverance. What is happening is Nehemiah 
as they are walking one way round Jerusalem and someone else is walking the other way, led by Ezra, the prophet. They are surrounding the city with praise. They are surrounding the city with the truth of forgiveness and reconciliation. They are beginning to affirm God's place back in the city that he loves, beginning to affirm the place of God's people to represent to all the nations around that they are called by God. It is that process of restoration that God has forgiven hearts. In in the evening gatherings, our our last one tonight, we're looking at the book of 1 Peter in the New Testament. And one of the themes of 1 Peter, it says, is that we're all a royal priesthood. If you become a Christian, you're part of a royal priesthood. Essentially, that means this, that our our calling is to be and represent God in any and every situation in the city. To live and walk in a way for justice and for truth. To represent him. And as we walk in that calling, we bring life and love to the city. That God's, God's favour pours into our lives. And his love and his grace as we declare who he is over every situation in our lives. But it's hard, folks, to declare the truth of who he is if there's areas of our lives which are no-go areas. Maybe through particular habits, addictions, anger. It's hard to declare it because we're not dedicating the whole of his life. And Nehemiah dedicates the whole of the city to God. And we are called, folks, as disciples, learners, apprentices of Jesus, to give over every aspect of our lives. And the way that we do that is bring it to him and say, God, this particular thing, I'm really struggling with it. I'm really angry. Or I can't break this addiction by myself. I thought I was in control of it, but actually it's in control of me. And nobody knows. I've been really struggling. Oh, I need you. I want to dedicate every aspect of life. Maybe it's thought life. Maybe it's just a particular thought pattern about Yourself, you just think, God, I don't want to live like this anymore. I want to give all of my life to you. The whole, whole of it over to you. So I can say, God, you're Lord of it all. May it all be yours. Let's stand together.